Welcome to In My Backyard, an open conversation about children and mental health. We all know a child who's struggling, whether that child tells us or not. In this podcast, we speak with experts on the many factors of emotional distress in children, how to address those factors, and how to create a community where all children can be healthy and happy. This podcast is made possible through generous donations from supporters and listeners like you. Please visit tgclb.org or text HOPE to 562-262-5689 to make a one-time donation or join our Hope and Healing Club to become a monthly donor today. Your host is Trisha Costales, CEO of the Guidance Center, a nonprofit children's mental health agency in Long Beach, California. I'm Trisha Costales, your host of In My Backyard. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the chief executive officer of the Guidance Center, a nonprofit children's mental health agency serving 3,500 children and families every year. Today's podcast is another in our series of stories or conversations with people with lived experience sharing their mental health journeys. Today, we will be speaking with two parents of children with autism spectrum disorder. In 2013, the American Psychiatric Association published the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, or DSM. In this edition, what had been referred to as autistic, Asperger's, pervasive developmental, and childhood disintegrative disorders were all reclassified under one diagnosis, autism spectrum disorder. According to the DSM, the primary characteristics of autism spectrum disorder include persistent deficits in social communication and interaction across multiple contexts and restricted repetitive patterns of behavior, interests, or activities. The symptoms must be present in early childhood and must cause clinically significant impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. Deficits in social communication and interaction in young children might look like an avoidance of eye contact, a flat facial expression, lack of interest in other children, few gestures such as pointing, waving goodbye, or blowing kisses, are not pointing out objects of interest, such as a balloon or fire truck. Restricted or repetitive behaviors can include interest in odd things, lighting up toys or other objects, getting upset when order is changed, fixation on parts of objects, such as a wheel rather than the entire toy car, repetition of words or flapping hands, rocking or spinning in circles. The DSM also tells us that many, but not all, individuals with autism spectrum disorder also have intellectual and or language impairment. Motor deficits are often present, including odd gait, clumsiness, and other abnormal motor signs, such as walking on tiptoes. Self-injury, challenging behaviors, and sensitivity to stimuli, such as sound or light, are common. Children and teens with autism spectrum disorder are prone to anxiety and depression. According to the Centers for Disease Control, roughly one in 44 children, or 2.3%, meet the criteria for autism spectrum disorder. 
It is vital to note, however, that there is no one type of autism, and the spectrum refers to a broad range of conditions with many subtypes and widely varying severity. As stated by Stephen Shore of Autism Speaks, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Autism spectrum disorder occurs across all racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic groups, but is four times more prevalent in boys than in girls. Unsurprisingly, doctors Weiss, Wingsong, and Lunsky found that parents of individuals with autism spectrum disorder report high levels of stress and mental health problems associated with the challenges of caring for individuals with complex needs and with navigating multiple service sectors across the life course. Parents have the major obligation of caring for their child, which includes management of problematic behaviors and balancing associated stress while overseeing the well-being of the rest of the family. In today's podcast, We have the great honor of hearing directly from two parents of children with autism spectrum disorder. I'm very happy to introduce Melissa Gallardo, a licensed marriage and family therapist from the Guidance Center San Pedro Clinic, and Danny Montenegro, a licensed clinical social worker and a clinical supervisor in the Guidance Center's Long Beach school-based program. In addition to being clinicians, Both Melissa and Danny shared with me that they each parent a child with autism spectrum disorder. Today, we're going to talk about their journey. Welcome, Melissa and Danny. I have the pleasure of knowing both of you. Danny, I've known you for a long time now, and Melissa, I got to meet you uh, in our prior episode. Um, but for our listeners, would you please just say a few words about yourselves? Danny, you want to go first? Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've been with the Guidance Center uh, a little over 11 years now. Uh, started off at the San Pedro program, uh, then transitioned over to our school-based program in Long Beach. And I've been there for about a year now. Um, married, I uh, got have three three kids uh my oldest is uh uh my son who was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at three and a half and uh yeah it's been uh quite an adventure i'll bet thank you and melissa yeah my name is melissa gallardo um i'm a licensed marriage and family therapist i've been with the guidance center um about two years now um i'm engaged to my partner, um, I've been with him for about 13 years now, um, and I and we only have one son who is, um, our son was diagnosed with autism also at three years old, um, but uh, so yeah, I think that's it. Excellent. Thank you. And Melissa, I'll just stick with you for this first question, and then Danny, you can follow up. But when did you first suspect that something was perhaps different about your child? Um, so I think you're gonna, I think it's, this is gonna be an interesting podcast because you'll have a very uh, different stories with me and Danny because I actually met my son when he was three. Um, so, um, he's not my biological son. Um, so when I was 20 years old, I met his father, and you know, I think by that time he had already received services. Um, for what I understand, um, you know, I, I always tell my partner that, you know, um, 
it's pretty pretty lucky the way things turn out. Um, I think pretty early on, um, they, they he had uh, really attentive uh, nurse practitioners and just uh, doctors and pediatricians who kind of noticed that something was different. Um, so I think um, you know just kind of the conversations I've had with my partner, they, um, he had said that you know they had noticed that he wasn't you know um, meeting all his milestones. So he wasn't turning around. He wasn't. Um, like reacted like he, there wasn't any reaction like when his name was called um, so luckily someone said hey you know um, uh, we, you know there is something something's happening here you know you should contact the regional center we're gonna set you up with all these services so I think very early on um, our son had uh, like a zero to you know I think he entered the zero to three uh, program um, and 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 was able to get the services that he needed like right from the beginning and he's been in services ever since but i think just as a baby for what i understand um just not really meeting any of those milestones that he would see with just uh neurotypical kids but not non-neurotypical kids gotcha how about you danny yeah for us it was uh we started to notice a lot of the textbook um you know behaviors um he would line up his toys. Uh, he would show interest in like um, specific little things like the wheels of the cars, you know, uh, things like that. He, uh, I guess one of the major, major things that uh, initially caused us to uh, start becoming a little concerned was his communication because he wasn't communicating at three. He would, um, he would point to a lot of things when he wanted something, like if he was hungry, um, he would just kind of point to it. Um, and, you know, so th we had brought this up to his medical doctor, right? And um, one of the things had that had been mentioned during that time was the fact that it was, you know, we speak Spanish at home too. And so the doctor was uh, mentioning that maybe it could be that, you know, he was picking up two languages and that this could be a difficulty, right? So he said, let's wait a, a couple months and let's see how he does, Um but it, you know, it continued. Uh, he was having a lot of difficulty communicating, and he would get, he would become frustrated, you know. And so, um, he referred us to a psychologist who then assessed him, and that's how he uh, first became diagnosed at three and a half. But that's initially what happened. It was a lot of communication difficulties. And I guess this will be different for both of you, because Melissa, if I heard you correctly, you came into your son's life when he was three and he'd already been diagnosed. Danny, you were watching this all along. So and let me ask you, what did that sort of feel like as you're seeing behaviors or and not seeing certain behaviors or milestones and you start to feel like perhaps something's happening here like what was that experience like as a parent i i would imagine that was pretty scary definitely um yeah you know it, it was really um scary i guess would be the right word uh we didn't understand it really you know and um as a parent, you kind of feel that something's going on you know that that, that something's off something's not right um and so, you know, we were becoming increasingly concerned as time kind of passed. Um, when he was finally diagnosed, that was scary as, as well, because, you know, the, he, he was, um, 
diagnosed, uh, like I said, when he was three and a half. And so he was born back in 2005. And so uh, in the early 2000s, uh, autism was still a relatively new new topic. You know, it was, um, uh, people were becoming more aware of it, I think, but it, it was still relatively new. And we definitely uh, didn't know much about it, you know. So for us, it was this, you know, big unknown monster, you know, that we were, that we weren't sure what was going to, you know, what was going to happen, right? We weren't sure how our son was going to be affected by it. We weren't sure how it was going to affect our family life um, and what his future was going to look like, you know, and for a parent, that could be a very scary thing. Of course it is. I mean, that's the last thing any of us want, right? For something to be different or, or, wrong is the wrong word to use as it relates to this disorder. I very much prefer the word different, but as you're watching this evolve, that must be sort of the sensation and the feeling that um, what's happening here. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Melissa, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'd like to talk about those early conversations with the other parent, but again, because your story is different, what was it like when you first met your partner and he's telling you here's this little boy and he has autism spectrum disorder although then we would just very simply it was autism disorder right um what was your anxiety your fear or did you have fear about engaging in that and becoming in a fam a family in that regard when you knew that there was a child with this diagnosis yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, um, I, I met my son when he was, when I was 20. Um, I, you know, I did have some experience, um, you know, I didn't know a little bit about special needs. Uh, my mom is a, you know, for a very long time, she's been a special um, needs uh, teacher aide. Um, but honestly, I guess I didn't really understand what it really came with. Um, and I, I think just kind of uh, having that conversation early on with my, with my partner, it was, kind of like, oh, I honestly, I think it was just kind of like, oh, well, let's see what happens. Um, I think as I started to really, uh, you know, uh, uh, be a part of, become a family with my partner, um, then I, I think it was kind of like, okay, you know, as each hurdle comes our way, like we're going to get through it. Um, but I, I think what was interesting with um, my son and how it all kind of worked out was, you know, I understood he was different. Um, and it actually kind of, um, I guess, like piqued my interest in getting into mental health um, and AB and, and just into this whole field, because uh, I remember when you know uh, he come, you know people would come to the house and get serv uh, provide services. It was always really interesting to me, like hmm, what are they doing? Like yeah, I know he has autism, but like what is that? And how are how are they um, like how do these services benefit him? What are they working on? Um, so that kind of was like the beginning of like my journey into the mental health field as a professional because then I decided like, um, I think at that time I was still at community college. I didn't even know what I wanted to do yet. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of direction, but you know, I didn't know I wanted to be with my, my partner. Um, I knew I wanted to go to school for something. And then when I met my son, um, you know, I, I felt I really connected to it. And I really thought like, how interesting is this to uh, be able to provide services to someone um, and teach them how to like, you know, independent skills and teach them how to uh, eat or the four things like that. So um, 
I guess that's kind of like how I first started off um, with our son. I think that's a really beautiful story, actually, that he inspires you to an entire career. Um, I think that's lovely. Yeah, like right afterwards, um, um, I, um, I think, yeah, shortly afterwards, I uh, became a, a, an ABA therapist. Um, so I, I joined the agency and uh, started to do my own behavioral ther uh, therapy. Um, and then I decided, like, oh, well, I think I want to be more into, like, the mental health uh, component. Um, so I think by around around that time, I, I really had gotten uh, more direction to what I wanted to do. So I, I had finished my bachelor's, and I decided like, I wanted to do my, my master's in, in actual therapy. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what really started it. Like, uh, who are these people coming to the house? What are they doing? And I want to do that too, you know? Can you explain for our listeners, and I'm sure this will come up, and Danny, I'll get to you in a second, but what is it, uh, ABA therapist? Um, ABA stands for Applied Behavioral Ther um, Analysis, so they use behavioral techniques uh, to get uh, certain behaviors that we want to see um, to increase. So, for example, uh, with our son, uh, you know, working on him, calling his dad, dad. Uh, for a really long time, he called his dad by his first name, right? So, trying to work on increasing the behaviors we want to see, like having our son call his dad, dad, and not by his first name, uh, reinforcing that with things like praise, reinforcing that with things like uh, different types of rewards, um, and then working on decreasing um, those those behaviors that we don't want to see, like, for example, like self-harm or becoming, becoming aggressive, uh, things like that. Excellent. Thank you. And Danny, how about you? You know, at one point as you're noticing uh, that your child is perhaps different, someone had to initiate those early conversations. You know, what was it like having those early conversations with your, with the other parent, with your family members, sort of um, sharing your concerns in the early stage of this journey? Yeah. So um, I guess for my wife and I, the Initially, it was, you know, we shared a very similar concern because we were both kind of becoming aware of his symptoms and, you know, his difficulty in communicate, communicating with us. Um, I, I think for our family, there was that, you know, very similar feeling that uh, I was mentioning earlier where you kind of start to pick up on things and you start to, you know, kind of like have this thought in the back of your head, like something's off, something's not right. And I think a lot of our family, um, you know, like when we would have get togethers or, you know, be at over at grandma's house or, you know, uh, if the cousins were over, you know, things like that. Um, I think other family members would kind of pick up on that, you know, the fact that he was a little different. Right. And so initially, like I said, you know, for, because for us, it was also a very new thing, you know, um, but initially uh, if, you know, I think the family was kind of like wanting to maybe say something or wanting to ask questions, but there was always that initial, like, you know, we're not sure what it is and we don't know whether we should ask. Right. Um, after he was diagnosed, uh, there was this sort of, um, uh, relief, I guess, because, you know, th there was a, it was an answer to a question that had been kind of in the back of everyone's heads, right, or minds. Um, so now it was more of a question of what do we do to better understand it? How do we support him? 
Uh, and, you know, we were very lucky enough to, to have family that is very supportive. And, um, you know, it was a lot, it was a, a learning curve for, I think, a lot of us, uh, uh, us, you know, our family and then grandparents, you know, uh, for them as well, because it was a new topic to them. And it was something that they were also kind of trying to understand uh, in terms of like how to best respond to his needs. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, every child is different. Every person on this uh, autism spectrum disorder um, uh, spectrum, I should say, is different. Right. And so his uh, needs were unique, unique to him. And so uh, it was a, a question of how to address that, you know, and how to uh, best support him. You know, could you tell us a little bit, I guess, you know, in your case, maybe it wasn't quite as complicated, but I hear so often, including with the son of a friend of mine, that the journey towards diagnosis was pretty fraught and complicated. And, um, but it sounds like your son was diagnosed fairly early, but is there anything about the journey that you wanted to share? The journey towards diagnosis. Toward diagnosis. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the, the fact that, you know, um, initially you, you aren't aware of what it is. And like I said earlier, it's this giant question you have in the back of your head, you know, and um, you wonder how to best, you know, I, I think any parent wants to have all the answers for their child, you know, and... Uh, be the best support and sometimes you have to like um you have to take a back step you know and uh, allow yourself to be helped you know and for us initially we wanted to be that support for him but we didn't really have all the answers so we had to you know really come to that point where we had to take that back step and allow you know the professionals to sort of help us better understand how to help him um, so that was the biggest piece I would say in coming to the point where he was diagnosed, uh, for us, um, yeah. Is to accept help. To accept help. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Melissa, I'm going to start with you here. You know, what's it been like navigating the various sy systems? There are so many systems that can be involved in getting your child the necessary help the educational system, perhaps the medical system, if they have GI issues, occupational care, mental health care. Um, it's a full-time job. What's it, what's it been like for you helping your son navigate those various systems? Um, I, I think like Daniel was saying, um, you know, uh, autism, you know, it's a spectrum, you know, it's such a unique experience for the person who has um, who has autism and then their family who has to take, you know, uh, help take care of the person who has autism. Um, so I think just, you know, speaking from my experience, um, and I was just, you know, kind of preparing for this uh, episode, I was talking to my partner um, about the, some of these questions, and I was just kind of reflecting on, like, how, how blessed we've been and how privileged uh, you know, I, I need to acknowledge the privilege that I have because, um, you know, being someone that is in the mental health field, um, we're just a little, I, I feel a little more savvy, right, in regards to just navigating 
um, the various systems that come with um, making sure that, you know, our child's uh, needs was met, were met. Um, so honestly, I mean, I think, you know, yes, it's been, uh, there have been points um, where it's been a little bit harder, um, but I, I think, um, you know, it's been just kind of interesting how things have kind of all fallen into place. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know, being a, a therapist, I've worked with uh, kids who have autism who have not been diagnosed and they're 14 years old and, you know, it's hard enough for, for the family to like, they don't, I mean, it's, it, it's from, it's starting from the point, like introducing them to what the regional center is. Um, so being able, so like in regards to my own, um, experience with, um, my son, um, things have, things were able to, have been able to really fall into place quite nicely. Um, you know, just even the providers that he's worked with, um, you know, he's had the same behavioral therapist for the last 13 years. Um, she's a B BBA now, or, uh, she's a supervisor now, but she did start with him when he was three years old as a behavioral therapist, I think it was like her first case. Um, and now she supervises the case. And um, so, I mean, to have that consistency has been really great um, in regards to things like the IEP. Um, again, because I think I've always had this, in, because uh, because I think that I've had this interest in uh, making sure that, you know, our son gets the needs that, gets what he needs. Um, and I've worked in the school, district uh, you know my mom's worked in the school district um, I ask a lot of questions um, I've also you know so when these things come up you know I'm always like you know okay we need to get an IP um, you know uh, you know medication not that long ago we started medication and that in itself again because I had that background I was able to kind of uh, help you know, address any of the anxieties my partner had in regards to starting medication. I was just going to say, uh, I, of course, know what an IEP is, but our listeners may not. If you could uh, explain what that is. Uh, yeah, so that stands for Individual um, Education Plan. Um, and that's something that, um, you know, teachers and students can use um, depending on the what the child needs. So, for example, uh, my son um, when, you know, he has sensory issues, which is what, you know, you might see in a lot of kids who have autism, um, when things are, you know, things feel really loud for, for him sometimes, um, you know, if it's the day of a fire drill, um, you know, he really needs to be, um, pre prepared for that. Um, if not, you know, he'll elope, so he'll run away, he'll get, he'll become aggressive, um, you know, kind of has this full, full on meltdown. So in the IEP, it actually addresses all those things, um behavioral issues like that and academic as well. So if, you know, for example, my son, um, you know, his uh, his um, IEP might look different academically compared to other students who have, um, uh, other students with autism who have IEP. So, you know, he's gonna have different reading level, reading goals, he might have different writing goals, um, and that's all included in the IEP. Gotcha, thank you. Danny, how about you in terms of navigating the different systems for your son? Yeah, you know, initially it was very difficult. Um, you know, the uh, going back, you know, to that time, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was this, you know, this uh, new thing we were trying to understand. So uh, in addition to that, we were trying to figure out how to best support him, right? Um, so 
once he was diagnosed, we were lucky enough to get into a special education program, early special education program for him. Um, and that was great because it started to help him, uh, you know, uh, learn how to communicate, right? Um, but after the sort of the preschool years, uh, when he started uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, that's where it became a lot more challenging. Um, you know, the he had an initial IEP, right? And so it was, uh, there was a lot of advocating, you know, for his services. Um, we, you know, uh, mom and I were at the school practically every day. Uh, if we weren't talking to a counselor, we were talking to the special education teacher. We were talking to, you know, the principal or the vice principal. And uh, it was a constant, you know, uh, struggle to ensure that these services were being provided. Um, we um, did get some help through um, through the regional center, uh, and that was good initially. But we also found that we also needed to advocate for his services through the regional center as well. Um, so you know, the early years it, there there was a lot of that, you know, and it was a uh, um, you meet other parents, you know, and so, um, you know, who have, uh, kids with, uh, uh, who are on the spectrum disorder, um, or on the spectrum. And so you try to help each other, you know, um, Hey, you know, I was able to call this person. Here's the number, you know, um, and things like that. So uh, there, there was a lot of advocacy, you know, uh, on his, on his part. Um, and us, you know, like I said, being present at the school almost every day. Uh, well, that's a full-time job though, isn't it? To have to do that it is. on top of supporting your family and everything else. Yeah. Um, this is a ad lib question, so forgive me. Um, but Melissa had mentioned um, that, you know, one child with on the autism spectrum will, could have a very different IEP than another child um, could uh, Danny, we'll stick with you and then go to Melissa. You know, I, people think of autism, they think of, you know, very nonverbal children or children perhaps that aren't very physically affectionate. There's sort of the stereotypical sense of what autism is. And what I think as mental health providers we know is it's a really broad spectrum. Could you sort of speak to that of how autism is such a broad word and every kid or individual with autism could look really different from another kid with autism and how does that change things or just could you speak to that? Yeah, um, yeah, they, you know, they say that when you meet one kid uh, with autism, you only meet one kid with autism uh, because they're so different, right? Um, that yeah, I kind of like to see the the uh, spectrum kind of like this constellation where you know the 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 dots or the stars in the constellation fall at different levels, right? And so every kid is gonna have a different level of need. Some are higher functioning, some are lower functioning, uh, but every kid has their strengths, you know, and their weaknesses as well. So you know, it it becomes a matter of um, advocating, you know, to get the services that each um kid needs you know specifically to address their needs right um so yeah i would say that that's the the big difference i guess in kids who are on the spectrum uh that every kid is is unique in that sense and that 
there's going to be strengths and weaknesses. So it's just a matter of like, you know, discovering what those are, right? And, yeah. Uh, learning how to adapt to that. Melissa, how were you able to do that? Because, I mean, you spoke quite eloquently to how the IEPs might be very different. Um, how do you know what to advocate for specifically for your child? It can't be a generic IEP, oh, autism, okay, we, we're going to do this. So how do, you, how do you know what to ask for? Well, I think um, at the end of the day, it's just having really honest conversations about, like, what is it that, you know, our son still struggles with, you know, um, whether it's behaviorally um, or whether it's, you know, speech-wise. Um, and then also being able to acknowledge, like, yeah, he's made a lot of progress, you know, um, uh, being able to do this or being able to do that. You know, not too long ago, um, you know, I remember uh, my son, you know, he signed you know, when he when I first met with him, met, met him, um, he would sign more. You know, or he'd sign help, or he'd sign thank you, um, and he would, you know, uh, flap his hands, and he would, uh, you know, rock back and forth, um, and you know, over the time, you know, uh, you know, again, thankfully with all the services that he's had, um, you know, some behaviors uh, have been able to gone down. Some of them have been, you know, um, you know. Uh, completely eliminated and then it's I always kind of joke around with my partner like oh okay that, that you know we were working on this for so long you know he's not um you know I think for a very long time now you know I think one of the things that were, came up a lot was he'd say and then so he would be like oh we're gonna go to the store and then and then we're gonna go do this and then and then it's you know uh so I was trying to put that so then it got to a point where he wasn't saying and then but then something else came up right so I think um, in regards to the IEP and at school, again, it's just being able to have, like, honest conversations. Like, okay, you know, um, being able to have honest conversations and really uh, being mindful of our own expectations, you know. Like, he might not uh, have ever, right, be able to be super interested in, like, things like geometry or he might not ever be able to do those things. But there are a lot of other things that he can do um, and then other things that he can work on and improve on. Um, so I think it's a little bit of like those things, like having honest conversations, really being mindful of, uh, and being mindful of your own expectations. And knowing your own child, yeah. I would assume, mm -hmm. really paying attention to your kid. Um, Danny, it, it's hard to be different. Um, your son, uh, I know you told me he's a senior in high school right now, teen years especially, oh my goodness, it's hard to be different. Does he, how does he understand and feel about his diagnosis? Um, so it's, uh, it's a really good question because uh, initially, right, when he was little, it wasn't a topic that we, it wasn't a conversation that we had with him, right? Um, but a few years ago, I would say probably when he was about 14 and a half, 15, um, I sat down with him and started to have that conversation. And it took a, a, a few conversations um, and me having to provide examples and, you know, um, uh, experiences, bringing up previous experiences he had had, right? Uh, not just in school, but outside of school, like at home, you know, things like that. Uh, or when we, you know, have been out 
uh, as a family. And so uh, now he, I, I would say he has a pretty good grasp on, on what it is. You know, he has a, a clear understanding. But initially it was, uh, it was a little difficult for him to understand. Um, but once he understood it, um, uh, one of the things that I, I tried to never do was uh, to let him believe that his disability was going to limit him, right? And so, you know, I uh, was always honest with him, but I told him that, you know, that this wasn't limiting and that he could, you know, it, it, as long as he had the support and that, you know, he he did the work that he would be able to do whatever he set his mind to. And so he, um, you know, he, I think, has really embraced his strengths. Uh, he's aware that there's weaknesses and there's, he's aware that there's certain things that, you know, affect them or that he still needs to work on. Uh, but he really embraces his strengths, you know, and he, uh, he's come a long way and I'm really proud of him. That. You just really moved me, Danny. I, I think that's such credit to your son, but it's also uh, such credit to you and your wife as as parents. Um, so I, I think that's really uh, quite wonderful. Um, how about your son, Melissa? Does he understand his diagnosis, and how does he feel about it? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about how fascinating this um, episode's going to be because you, you, I mean, we're literally seeing what it looks like, the spectrum, right, where, you know, Danny's son has this awareness. And my son, because he has um, intellectual disability, I, I think he does lack um, the awareness of him, um, of his diagnosis. Um, um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, I was thinking about him as, a, you know, he's, he's a junior uh, so he'll be a senior next year. And, you know, I, I think regardless of his diagnosis, like there's still things that he wants, like he wants to be cool. He uh, likes girls. He, uh, you know, um, he wants to hang out with his cousins, you know. Um, so, you know, I think he does like this awareness, you know, and I, I've seen it like, you know, even just on Halloween, um, you know, he was really excited to wear his like Woody costume and, you know, he uh, gets picked up by the bus in the morning and, you know, uh, he got all dressed and, you know, walked out the door and, you know, walked into, walked to the school bus. And, like, no, you know, I was just thinking about, like, how, you know, the kids that I've worked with or I work with now, you know, a lot of anxiety comes into play, um, especially high school years and how I saw my son walking to the bus in his Woody costume and no awareness that, you know, he looks... <laughs> you know, uh, dorky, you know, uh, but cute. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, I think that I, I try to see the, the silver lining in this, right, where it's like this awareness, but just, you know, he doesn't have awareness of his diagnosis, but I think that also allows him to really shine his personality, uh, to really connect with others in, in ways that even I think kids who don't have autism are not able to, you know? He has some freedom in that regard then, doesn't he? For sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, question for you, Danny. I know you have other children as well. Um, this is a journey for the entire family. Um, how has it changed or impacted the rest of the family unit? 
Um, I, you know, I would say that it impacted my wife and I more because he's, uh, he's older now, right? He's, like I said, a senior in high school and his sisters are both six and three. So a bit more awareness, right? Um, and uh, there's a, a few books that I've purchased along the way, you know, and so uh, I've been able to, you know, just kind of go over those. But my youngest still doesn't, you know, she still doesn't have a clue to her. It's just, you know, older brother, right? <laughs> um, so to them, you know, it, it, it's not as impacting because he's a lot older now and they weren't around when he was, you know, having his meltdowns and communication difficulties. And when we, you know, like I said, when we were having to advocate for him at school and, you know, um, now they're seeing uh, the brother who's had support along the way and who, you know, now embraces his strengths and now is at a different level. And, um, you know, he interacts with the family a whole lot. He's very uh, protective of his sisters, you know, and so very helpful, you know, and we, um, that I would say that that's another uh, aspect of him that we never really expected because again, we didn't really fully understand what autism was when this was a brand new thing to us, right? And so fast forward to today, you know, um, he interacts with the family and, you know, he has conversations with us and he plays with his sisters and, you know, he watches out for them and he helps with homework, you know, and does chores around the house and you know, things like that. And a lot of these things like were things that, you know, it, it just little things that as a family, you, you, you never thought he would be doing these things but now he is you know and so um yeah for my daughters it's uh, that's the brother that they know now yeah that makes sense what is what would you most this is such a perfect lead-in what would you most like us to know about him what are your favorite parts of him god um everything you know he's so he's such a hard worker he um you know, he went from being this kid who was, you know, um, he wouldn't make, make eye contact. He wouldn't, um, you know, if you went to hug him, he would run away. Um, he was bothered by loud noises. You know, he had a very, very small, um, uh, you know, f uh, the, the, the food items that he would eat, right? The, the brown foods, uh, as we call them. It, it was very limited, you know, he, there was only like a few things he would, he would eat. He wouldn't want to, you know, even explore the possibility of eating something else. Um, he was, you know, learning delayed. He didn't start to communicate uh, fully and effectively until he was like maybe five and a half. Um, and now he's this person who's, you know, we, um, as a family, we took a trip earlier in the year, we went to Europe and we took him with us and he got to, you know, it was his first time out of the country and he got to, you know, uh, experience this whole new world, you know, and it opened his eyes and now he wants to like explore more places and he wants to taste more foods. Um, you know, he is an excellent student, straight A student and he, uh, like I said, he's embraced his strengths, you know, and so that's what I would want people to know about him, that, you know, he's this amazing person 
who, um, you know, really is a really hard worker and has embraced his strengths. And who is clearly well loved. Um, <laughs> how about you, Melissa? What would you most like us to know about your son, your favorite parts of him? I think I'd like people to know that, you know, he's, he's really cool. You know what I mean? I think again, right. When you think of people who have special needs, you know, there's this kind of stigma that comes with it um, or this ideas um, that people still kind of have. Um, but I think uh, our son is, he's really cool. You know I mean? Um, it's really, but it's been really fun to kind of see, see him, um, you know, grow and, and make connections along the way. And, you know, I, uh, and it's been really nice. It's been really, I think for me, um, you know, it's really helped me kind of, again, uh, really live life in the moment and be present versus thinking about like the way I think things should be. Um, really just focusing on the way things are. And, you know, um, I think with him, like I said, uh, you know, uh, when, you know, not, what was it? I think in August, we went to some Power Rangers convention and, you know, that was really, you know, cause he loves Power Rangers. And, you know, that was kind of like, a, uh, how is this going to go? Because there's so many people and it's loud and there's just so much sensory. Like this could go really good or really bad. And, 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 you know, it was just so surprising. And like really, I mean, this is really great to see him like light up and take pictures. And it was just like this different person. So um, I think when moments come up like that, I think those are my favorite. So I think like letting people know, like he's, he's really cool. He's a cool kid. And just enjoy those moments, right? Mm -hmm. Be present and be mindful and enjoy those moments. Uh, what would you, Melissa, say to other parents who are newly discovering that their child is neuroatypical? Mm, I think uh, I'd say, you know, reach out for support. You know, I, I don't think I, we would have been able to do this um, if we did not have the support system. Um, you know, I think... Uh, my partner's family has been, you know, from the beginning, they've been extremely supportive um, in regards to like child care, uh, helping with child care, um, you know, giving us breaks. Um, I mean, that's really been helpful. Um, so, yeah, I think reaching out for support, you know, uh, asking questions, um, you know, I think uh, Danny really said it nicely, you know, being able to advocate, um, you know, as things come up. Um, but I think ultimately, I, I always come back to just being able to start to be mindful of these expectations, because I think you do see, and I think as parents, we see, we envision, right, these, this life for our kids, and sometimes it's not going to work out like that. Um, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be bad, or it's worse, or it's not good. Um, so really being able to just uh, be mindful of our expectations, so then that way we can kind of work with what we have. How about you, Danny? What message might you have? Um, that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, you know, not know everything. Um, it's okay to accept help, you know. Um, and it's okay if you don't understand everything completely and fully. Um, you, you know, you you will get to that point along the way. And, you know, uh, it's a, uh, it's um a thing that it kind of evolves along the way too. And so you have to also learn to adapt to it. Um, Cause you know, the, the child will change along the way, you know, as they develop. And so new things will come up. And so um, utilizing your support system, you know, um, asking for help, like I said, advocating um, and, 
yeah, you know, using using the support system is probably the most important thing I would say that, you know, really kept us uh, kept us afloat. And speaking to that, what would you say to mental health professionals? What can we do better? I would say that, um, again, it's okay to ask questions, even though, you know, we're professionals, um, we don't always know the answer. Uh, we don't always understand everything completely. And it's okay to think outside the box. Um, every, every client, every child is unique in that sense. And so you, the parent is probably the best person, you know, or the caregiver, whoever that is, uh, is probably the best person to ask questions uh, because you're going to have to sort of adapt to their unique needs. Uh, and that's okay, right? It's okay to ask questions and not know everything. How about you, Melissa? Can you, anything to add to that about what as mental health professionals we can do better? Um, I, I think as mental health professionals, um, you know, I, I think really it's important for us to jump at any opportunity that comes along our way in regards to educating ourselves on autism um, because it is, a, it is a spectrum, right? It looks so different, um, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, I, I call it kind of like this invisible thing, right? Like on the outside, my son does not look like he has autism. It's not until you interact with him that you start to see, oh, there's something different here. Um, and, you know, I mean... Uh, so I, I, I think being able to keep that in mind when we are working with clients and being able to uh, not completely rule it out or even not, you know, I, I know, I mean, I hope not, but I'm sure, right, a lot of uh, mental health therapists, you know, um, they stick with what they know, right? Like it's anxiety, it's depression, it's this or it's that. Uh, so being able to just really be have an open mind and um, acknowledge like or, or consider, right, does autism play a role in here? Um, and if that's hard, right, like if that's difficult for them, being able to reach out for uh, additional, um, you know, education. Thank you. And while I have you, I'll, I'll kick this one to you first. Uh, you know that I end every episode on a note of hope. So for you, Melissa, what have been the unexpected bright sides of your, your parenting journey? What gives you hope still? Um, you know, I, I think what gives me hope is, you know, a, again, right, um, I think as, I, I, you know, it's kind of funny, because I think originally, um, you know, I never really wanted to be a parent. Um, I think that was kind of my mindset. Um, even now, uh, you know, I mean, we have our son, and we're good. Um, so I don't think about having additional um, more kids. Um, so I, I think what what gives me hope is, um, you know, when I know that my son is taken care of, um, when he, you know, uh, feels, when I know that I'm doing my best, like making sure that he is safe, making sure, or as safe as possible, right? I mean, because there's only so much we can do, but at least at home, or at least, you know, when I'm with him, uh, making sure he, that he's well taken care of, you know, and I think that's what kind of gives me hope uh, when he's able to really thrive and blossom and, and these these, these moments come up, right, you know, uh, where he's able to make connections and, uh, you know, and, and or pick up things that you don't think he's paying attention to, but, like, he is. Uh, you know, like, for example, we're watching a movie, and, you know, he's like, oh, that's the actor from, like, Game of Thrones. And then it's like, you know, and he doesn't watch Game of Thrones with us in that way, right? He just knows that we watch Game of Thrones. And, you know, I think maybe there's times when he's seen Peter Dinklage 
on the screen, and then we watched this Marvel movie where Peter Dinklage is also in it, and then he's like, that's the, the same actor, and we're like, where did that come from? So I think that's what gives me hope, that the fact that, you know, I mean, yes, he has all his, uh, there, there are a lot of struggles, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, he can still surprise us, you know, in that way. It's fun. How about you, Danny? What are the unexpected bright sides and what gives you hope? Uh, you know, honestly, the bright sides have been um, witnessing his journey, uh, you know, going from what I mentioned earlier, all the struggles he had in his early years to now being the, you know, incredible, amazing person he is today. Um, I'm super proud of who he is and he motivates me. He encourages me. Um, and, you know, even though there's been a lot of struggles along the way, he's, um, he's surpassed everything, you know, he's, we've enjoyed all his successes and, uh, I know that, you know, he's on his way to bigger and better things. And so that gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of motivation and, and, and I'm super, super proud and, uh, eager to see where, where life takes him. Thank you. And thank you both, uh, Melissa and Danny, for joining uh, me in this conversation. I'm so grateful to both of you for sharing your story. And I'm grateful that your children let you and gave you permission. Um, so thank you so much. Um, your vulnerability in sharing and your strength in parenting, they're, they're just very inspiring. And I, I know I learned a lot today. So I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's my position that by shining a light on these issues, admitting that they are in our own backyards, it will be easier for a struggling child to get some help. Ideally, we can all begin to be kinder and more supportive of each other. In My Backyard is brought to you by the Guidance Center a children's mental health agency in Long Beach, California. In My Backyard is produced by Trisha Costales and Matthew Murray. Thank you to J. Vincent B. for original music. All other music licensed through Soundstripe. Thank you to our listeners and supporters. Please visit tgclb.org or text HOPE to 562-262-5689 to make a one-time donation or join our Hope and Healing Club to become a monthly donor today. Subscribe to In My Backyard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.